Welcome to Designer Discussions. Today, we're going to talk about developing a winning marketing strategy. Welcome to the Designer Discussions podcast. Tune in each week where we discuss marketing, branding, PR, and business advice for design professionals. Today, we are joined by Troy, who's a very good friend of mine and a marketing strategist expert, and he also has a podcast of his own. So how are you today, Troy? I am great and amazing. (laughs) We wanted to have you here today because as we end the year of 2021, a lot of small businesses in the design world are developing their marketing plan for 2022, and I thought it would be perfect to have you on here to talk about developing a marketing strategy. So for our audience, if you could just do a brief introduction into who you are. Sure. So for the past 12 years, I've been in the B2B marketing space. Uh, I've been a de facto CMO. I've been a global marketing director. I've been that odd guy that's just like, he just keep having all these odd titles and just making things happen. I'm that, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about marketing and strategy and business. I'm very diverse in different uh, disciplines on that. But I think ultimately, I try to simplify it all to make it make sense. Uh, so I help startups, entrepreneurs, just people who are in that mid-level trying to get that grind on, get to that seven-figure growth, or maybe they're there, they're trying to transition further. Uh, I help them simplify that process to get there. So it's been very fun. And I think in 2021, I think the challenge has been you know, we've gotten past 2020. That's great. Now it's like, how do I make myself sustainable again? Or if you're starting from scratch, how do I kind of scale what I'm doing? What's working? What's not working? I made a little money. I'm getting some traction, but there's a destination I'm not reaching. I'm just, I'm so close. There's some simple things I need to do. Maybe it's social, maybe it's social audio, maybe it's podcasting, maybe it's blogging. I don't know, Troy, but I need to figure this out. I'm so close. And I'm hoping 2022 is that kind of rejuvenation. That's like, yes, I made it to the next level. And so I've been trying to help a lot of businesses kind of break that mode and get to that next level. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, on this episode. That is. Honestly, you can lead right into that. And what are some uh, obvious tried and true marketing methods that work regardless of the year? Because I know we're heading into 2022, but you always have the strategies that sustain over time. So what what are you know few of those that you could tell our audience about? I said the first thing you want to build authority. And there's many ways of doing that. We have um, some public relation experts on here, so we understand. Uh, but authority leads to credibility, leads to visibility, leads to activation, leads to money. And most times we have to separate ourselves from the effort that we put in as if we immediately get brownie points, we get reward points, you know, because for the effort, look how much effort it took me, Troy, to make that carousel on Instagram or that reel to showcase what I'm doing as a designer, as a solopreneur. Troy, you know how long it took me? I had to put my kids in another room, my dog. I, I got it. I got my makeup on. The camera was great. The light was perfect. I got it. I did the dance. I did the whole thing. Where's my money? Where's my leads? Where's my DMs of people saying how amazing I am as a designer, as a creator? And it's not that simple. Great. You created content. Guess what? Everybody else did the same thing. Everybody else that you're looking at did that time 10x. So we have to separate ourselves from the effort that we're putting into it. And we have to see what is working, what's not working to build that authority. 
And sometimes to build that authority is doing things that you're just uncomfortable with. And I like to say this, are you just doing a hobby or are you trying to make money? If you're trying to make money, you're going to relinquish yourself of some of your personal views of, well, I'm not a podcaster. I'm not a writer. I'm not a reels person. I don't want to be on camera. Do you want to make money? Do you love what you do enough that you want to make money doing it? Therefore, the audience, that's like, I like to say this part, culture dictates the actions you must take to activate, to get the results that you want. Not you. I may want to be an introvert. I'm just hiding. Troy, I just just like to do a certain thing. I don't want to be on camera. But if we know the data tells us that to get to that result that you want, the visibility, the authority, they have to see you, not hide behind your logo, not hide behind a business card. They have to physically see you, the emotions, the tone, and how you articulate yourself of why you do what you do, the backstory, a little, not all the personal stuff, but a little bit about who makes you you. That differentiates you from other people. And so when you're approaching social media, when you're approaching marketing, it's not so much about what you just feel comfortable with. It's doing things that your audience knows that they need to see in order to exchange money for what you give back. And to build that authority, it may require you to do things that you don't want to do, but in time, you'll love to do it because it'll make you money. I love that. I love that. And I have to say for my own personal experience, it's true. I'm an introvert growing up. That That's how I was. I was an introvert. And not until I hired a coach about two years ago, did he say, did he tell me, okay, to scale, you go have to get out there. And I was, <laughs> I was hesitant about that. I was like, why? I'm like, you know, I love the behind the scenes stuff. He was like, no, he was like, you have a story that others in the marketing world to your audience does not have. And he had talked about me being an architect and all that other stuff. He's like, you need to say that. You need to show that. And that actually differentiate you from everybody else. So it was hard for me. Honestly, it's still hard for me sometimes because I'm, I'm an introvert at heart. But I know I got to put myself out there. I know. So that's 100 percent true. So with the businesses that you are working with now, what are some limiting beliefs and or mistakes that they are making that you can really help our audience avoid heading into 2022? Yeah, the first thing that they're probably doing, they're not doing enough distribution. Content creation is just one part of the coin. You need to be able to distribute effectively and efficiently. And I'm about to debunk the myth that people will say all the time, you know, quality over everything. Let me ask you a question. If no one sees your content, how can they determine how much of a quality the content is? And so quality, when people leave with that, they're perfectionists. They're too afraid to push. They're too afraid to distribute. They care about what other people think. You know, I had to tell someone this too, and I'll get back to the point. In business, when you're a solopreneur, you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're really, you grinding and gritting everything else. There comes a point that when you really need that money, when you really want that business to be successful, take care of yourself, your family, your loved ones, for yourself. When you look in the mirror every day that I'm doing this for me, something switches and you just start doing what you should have been doing the whole time. And so a lot of people are failing at distribution of what they're doing, of what they're saying. They're not getting in front of people. They're not creating content quality-wise, that can be redistributed, can be converted into um, three tips, can be referred to a series of reels, um, a YouTube blog piece, or whatever, a blog post, 
um, a series of LinkedIn posts, a LinkedIn article. There's so many ways you can distribute your content because yes, you may be a certain person and you're saying that everyone who is a specific designer or interior designer or solopreneur and my niche is on the gram or is on TikTok. Well, it's oversaturated too. I had to tell someone this. I said, and this was specifically to one of my clients I've been helping lately. They said, well, true, I sell, I sell products and I'm doing something on like Instagram shop. I do all this stuff and no one's buying. And I'm trying to buy in bulk and my prices are too high for most people in this market. I said, for most people, if you're at a certain price point, they don't want to pay that. They can pay for somebody else much cheaper because they're designed. I go to that platform for a certain price. I go to Wish for a certain price. I go to Amazon for a certain price because that's how I'm seeing in this platform. So if you want to get to that higher level, go where the people aren't, but the money is there. You position yourself in that situation on maybe a LinkedIn or somewhere else. Now people see you at a different authority at a different price point, but it's also about distribution of that content. So that's a big thing that many of us, even myself, I feel that all the time. I'm not distributing enough in volume, but I'm not distributing enough on per platform, per channel. Just because you see it one time, how many ads? There's a number that says somewhere between we see at least 4,000 ads or some type of call to action piece a day on our phones, y'all. On our phones. So you mean to tell me that one piece of blog post, that one reel that you did is supposed to generate the money you need for this week or this month or this year? No. We got to distribute that constantly and don't be ashamed about it because you got the good news. You are the game changer. You're the bridge between where they are with mediocre mediocrity and success to what you're trying to achieve, whatever your superpower is. And so you better tell that like it's the bee's knees and keep going. And so that's a really big thing that we're all failing with that we all can do better in 2022 is distribution. So to follow up to that with the distribution, because some of our audience, they're actually solopreneurs. So what is the best and most time effective way to have that distribution effectiveness, but not spend all your time every day trying to get that blog post out, get this out? You know, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's live streaming. Few reasons. The audience is so forgiving. It's less pressure. You got to have a studio. Just have a nice light. Put a mic, 99 bucks, 129, whatever. Or just use your iPhones, whatever, headphones, whatever. And talk about stuff. Ask questions. If you get a good audience, they'll ask you questions. And it's, it ain't it amazing how if someone asks you a question, you give an answer. Immediately people think you are a high level of authority. Wow, they are smart. They know exactly what they're talking about. All you got to do is talk about how much passion you love what you do and educate people on why you do it the way you do it. Not what everyone else does, not pulling a million calls from everybody else in your space, but why you do it. And people see that and they're like, something about what you just said lands with me and I want to work with you. But the other reason why live streaming helps so much because you can do so many things at one time. One is posting directly on your platforms. And if you use like a, a stream yard or a restream or something like that tool, you can do LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Facebook, all the different things. And we're all up at the same time. It's out there. So now that's one content distribution. You just distribute your content on three different channels. It's live. So people think you're so courageous. You're so brave. We're still there. If you press record, are you talking? You're doing something that 85% of the people ain't even doing. 
So kudos to you for that too. But then now, if people engage with it, and we we sleep on the replays, y'all. That content is going to help give you residuals over time. You keep having people comment and engage with it, but also that content could be used as a sales funnel tool because aren't y'all getting tired of repeating yourself of why you do what you do about yourself, how you help clients? That's the most, I don't know about you, but it's all a blur sometimes. Some days you got it on, sometimes you don't. Maybe your makeup ain't just right. Your words ain't coming to you today. You know, it just, it just ain't my day. You know what? I can reference this live stream I talked about. Hey, go to this timestamp here. If you want to work with me, work with me. So I just turned this one piece of content that happened live into all these series of activities that I can pull from it. Don't even sleep on the SEO part. It can help you with authority and SEO there. And it can always reference in other things as well. And you can pull it out, make audio snippets, blog posts directly from the live stream. You can put the link in your blog post. Hey, if you don't want to read watch there it is and so it's just taking one simple thing so you mean to tell me you can't take five minutes a day and do one focus live every single day for 30 days or just put it through friday don't gotta be all that let's do let's just make it simple if you can't commit to that see what happens and so i think that's just one big thing now if you want to go a little bit further or the camera is very intimidating i get that sometimes that is a stopping block for certain people swerve social audio y'all ain't no excuse it's a it's a it's a part of line you just having conversations you don't gotta you don't gotta worry about what you make it look like your outfit on whatever you can make money in your pjs educating people on what you do why you do where you do how you do it how they i have had people who have done clubhouse rooms or twitter spaces or Facebook audio rooms where while they're in the conversation, hey, book an appointment with me. Did you do it yet? They did it. Okay, great. I'm making sure that I'm closing 10 to 30 leads while having the conversation. So I think those are two really dynamic ways that don't are cost-effective, cost-efficient, helps your distribution, help with your sales funnels, help with your confidence. Sometimes the more reps that you do about what you do, the better you're going to be about it. And people respect you for it and you'll build community through it. Well, I was just going to say, I think a lot of designers feel like we are artists and we create a craft that people desire and they see us and they, and they want to, um, they want to work with us. And that's either based on recommendations from our friends or their friends. And, and they, they heard about a second hand that we're trustworthy. And then they see what we do is beautiful and they want to hire us, but I want to talk a little bit about how our business has some ability to control the types of clients we get and maybe even pull in clients that are not within that immediate range of people that our businesses are supported by, but we can start to reach outside of that. So what are some things as an interior designer that we can do? Um, Like you said, one is the authority, two would be doing live streams. Um, are there, how can we do that? How can we model some of that for specifically like a small interior design business? I love that. And I think the first thing to think about is what is the, what is the goal you need to see first? Not the big audacious goal. Like I'm talking this week. If you saw this happen, you would feel inclined to continue doing what you're doing, even if it's weird, awkward, different, new. And so is that seeing an increase on your Instagram account? Is that seeing more engagement? Is that seeing more mentions? Is that just seeing just more content being created? Like, I don't know what that is. Those who are listening or watching, you're going to know exactly what it is. How did you know the T? I don't know the T, y'all. I don't know the T. But whatever it is, you inserted it there. 
And now we just work our way that way because it's, it's all about a series of baby steps. And so as designers, you are clearly and utterly passionate. You are built for this. But maybe we're not built for sales. Maybe we're not built for the hard conversations when it gets to the bottom line. Oh, I love the journey. I love the story. I love the experience. How much is that going to cost again? And you can't, you got to have that straight face on and be like, oh, yes, that's a 25000 starting out or starting out that's 50000 or sorry, we do about six figures, you know, and you you don't you want to hold your breath and see what they're going to say. And you don't want to mention payment plan because you want your money up front because you've got bills to pay and things you got to do. You want that vacation in the Bahamas in 2022, right? Am I, am I being real? So with that being said, you know, we got to have like a certain position of how we present certain things. And so... I'll share something really quickly um, that I've coined. Uh, it's very, uh, people remember things when it's very uh, mnemonic in a sense. So uh, it's called the least generated blueprint, but I'm not going to focus on, well, it stands for legion, engagement, authority, demand, and sales. And we kind of talked about kind of all these things in a sense, but I really want to focus on the activation steps. So the first thing you want to do is leverage language to launch. The second thing you want to do is educate and entertain to enchant. The third thing is to attract and amplify to activate. The fourth thing is to dream big and uh, distinguish yourself to drive. And the last thing is um, share frequently and support often to shine. That's kind of like your framework from first engagement all the way through to getting that contract, getting that green, seeing that bank account. Oh, (laughs) they paid. We're ready to go. Okay. And I think as designers, you have to understand how to incorporate your passion and love with just business acumen. That's the hard part. Because we've done, we we know what we're doing. It's like you can explain all the passion and everything else, but you, sometimes you don't know how to justify why it costs this. Or they need to see this was great, but how does this experience change my life? And I think that's the hard part. And so I think when we come in with creating the content, when we come in with engagement of conversations with the intent for people to sell, first of all, sale, sales, selling is not a bad word. It's not a negative word. It's not, ooh, the car dealership, ooh, and they get a bad rep too. That shouldn't be the case. It's not the case because selling is the doorway for you to continue to do what you love. And so we have to reset our minds about the sale. And we can't wait to the end to have a small call to actually the end of our amazing Instagram post that we wrote out. Hey, let's let's have a conversation. No, lead with that. My design, my experience allows my clientele, my customers, my consumers to be this, to achieve this. And this is the time for y'all. We have come out of 2020. 2021 was a little rough, but the money's there now. The money's there now. So that means 2022, we're coming out of this valley. <laughs> designers, interior designers, it's your time to shine and get to that mountaintop. And so I think it really, you have to apply those different, you know, mechanisms in place. But ultimately, when you are a designer of one, when you are a solopreneur of one, it can be very intimidating because, you know, I don't have someone to do the sales for me. I don't have the one to have those tough, hard conversations. But when you lead with that and position it down, if you want to make six figures per customer, I'm going to lead with that. What does a six-figure interior designer experience look like? Here's three steps. Maybe I'll do the dance too in the real. This is what a six-figure interior design experience look like, y'all. And you just do the swipe, 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 go down, down, down. I'm conditioned now that when I see you and I go through these things, okay, that's what I already know what it costs. 
There's no hesitation on that. Now, it's up to you if you want to take conversations that you haven't qualified for. Another conversation for this today. But your point, the better you can have people disqualify themselves, guess what? You ain't got to be the mean person that says, uh-oh, the price is this. <clears throat> the price is this. You don't got to do that because you've already qualified or disqualified them across the top of the whole way of your content creation, your conversation, your website. And so whatever amount of money that you're trying to achieve, you have to incorporate that into your passion and your conversation. And it gets easier the more that you do it. And for the record, I was coughing out of character, not that I have anything. <laughs> I just have to say, keep preaching. I'm over here saying amen, but I'm, I'm going to give it back to Brielle. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think that some of the most compelling information I see from interior designers is when they say in social media, hey, if you're at the framing stage of your house, this is when you should start with the furniture. This is when you should be placing your orders so things are ready when your house is ready. And I don't really see that very often. I don't see a lot of people talking about when is the right time to hire your interior designer, how much money you should be budgeting for your interior designer. I just don't see a lot of advocacy amongst interior designers for the whole industry. And so, I mean, just that comment of saying, this is what a $100,000 interior design experience looks like, isn't said. And so to do that would really cause authority and someone to really stand out in their industry. I saw a post. Oh, he would reframe the code. I'm sure you all have heard this quote, fake it till you make it, right? And he said, no, 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 that ain't, that ain't, that's not honest. It doesn't make sense. You want to frame it until you make it. So it's when you're creating the persona of the audience, the customer that you want, you have to create that vision for them. You have to frame it. So maybe I haven't had a six figure interior designer client yet, but in my mind, for someone to pay me for that, this would be the experience that they would get. So in my content creation, in my conversations, in my website, in my landing page of how I use my messaging, my visuals, all those components, I'm integrating that framing into everything that I do. That way, in period of time, those who do qualify at that price point, who do want that six-figure experience, who ain't no hesitation, who will give me the money on the spot, no questions asked, no payment plan involved, boom, there it is. Can we get, can we get started next week? That's how you have to frame it. And we get so intimidated because we haven't achieved it yet. And we, you know how you're going to a destination and you haven't got to destination yet, but you're so excited. You already know what you're going to do when you get to the destination. And we have to have that same mindset vision and thought thought process when we're doing it as an interior designer, as a solopreneur, wherever your case might be, who is listening, you have to have that same thing. I'm not trying to meet you where you are. I'm trying to meet you where you're trying to be. And the quicker you can have your customer connect the dot to, hey, meet me here, bring your six figures, <laughs> maybe bring your seven figures at this door. <laughs> I'll meet you there. We're going to hit that mode at the same time. And here we are, you get the experience and the value and I get the pay to finally the money that I'm worth. And I, I think interior designers, you have, you have a natural ability to take abstract things and tell a story from it. Do you know how powerful that is? Do you know how many people can't even begin to do that? Do you know how you can snap your fingers and see a vision that is not even there? Has no, there's nothing there. This is the wall, just a home. 
just a building. And you're taking all of this in a matter of minutes and you're charting out a whole journey. You know how powerful that is? Do you know how hard that is? And I think we sometimes we need to raise our prices one because we think it's so easy to us and we explain it so easily that I need to have a low entry point. That's not the case. If that's your gift, you better have that at the premium level and let people see it and say, I want that experience at that price. And it may take some time to get there, sure. But I'm not going to shy around. I'm going to have a landing page that says, hey, seven-figure <laughs> interior design, it's there. Now, I might get one click a month <laughs> coming there, but eventually someone's going to click, they're going to see, and they're going to buy it. And I'll say this and I'm done. I had a person one time, I was trying to do paid speaking engagements. And, you know, I'm like, I'm new with this. I don't know. I'm going to just at $500. But the prep work, the experience, the energy, all the stuff should be more to it than that. And the guy told me one time, he said, you know, I'd be willing to pay you $20,000 for it, but you never said that it will cost that much anywhere. So I never was willing to pay for it. So I paid you what you asked for. And I said, huh. Because I never sowed the seed of what the potentiality could be, it could never become. And so when you're looking at your interior designer business, you have to position yourself as what you want it to be, not where you are. You have to have your customers and community, your consumers, your support system, all see the vision of where you want to go. And those people will be your buyers, advocates, and elevators. Once you find it to be a whole thing that I say, um, to help you get there as well. Love that. And you had talked about the quote that we often we often use the wrong way. I was listening to one of your episodes and I had mentioned this to you. The quote I used to always hear and I'd never look it up. But if you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. And I didn't hear the whole rest of the quote until I heard your episode. So if you can just explain a little bit about the whole quote and the context, I think that'll help our audience. And for all you multi-hyphenates, for all you creatives, probably most of you interior designers, this is for you. Anybody's entrepreneur, this is for you. You've heard all the time, Jack Trace is master of none. And they'll stop right there. And so you feel small, you feel inadequate, you need to be little like, I don't want to do, I want to do more than one thing. I want to do, maybe you do more than one design style, or, you know, maybe you're more Renaissance, maybe you're more modern, or you're a combination, or you're just, I'm a hybrid of everything, whatever I need to be. But oftentimes better than a master of none. And the person who the original person of that was, was William Shakespeare, the greatest playwright in ever. That was that quote was for. And it's amazing to me how that quote has been taken on the context for so long and has literally framed certain people's internal molecular structure in their minds of how they see themselves, of their business, of how they approach it. And if we just would have done a little bit of research... <laughs> Google 101, you would have discovered in like 0.5 seconds what the full quote was. And it amazes me, Jason, how many people that was kind of like a slight detour from my normal kind of podcast episodes, at least in recent memory. But that's the one that's had the most conversations. Like, I didn't know. I thought I was the last one. I'm like, man, I must have been the last person on this planet. And it's every day I get messages like, Bro, I didn't know either. I'm going to go back to my old bosses and say, did you, did you, hey, do you know the full quote? (laughs) You use that quote. That's why I left your firm. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, we ain't gonna go there. We ain't gonna go there today. But I'm saying to say that it really now those are the same people, the jack of all trades. Well, I like to say the jack of many trades. I ain't the jack of all trades, but y'all get my point. During this pandemic, were the people that thrived, the people that survived. Because when you're a master one, you only got one card to play. When you're a jack of many trades, you can kind of with the flow, you can just shift. Okay, I got to do 30% this, 20% this, 50% this, and I keep it moving. They only got one card to play. And so as a interior designer, you probably shifted from like specifics on style and whatever to family. How does this make me more emotionally and mentally stabilized in my home? How does this make me more productive? How do I take all the things that I used to do when I couldn't do anything anymore because of the pandemic, bring it back to my house? There's so many other layers because you were able to shift and take the very skill set that you do and apply it in a slightly different way. And everyone got and wants to give you money for it because you're a jack of many trades. So you better, you better celebrate that. You better accept that because not many folk can do what you do. There are, many, there are more people who are just master of one, not by choice. They just have that. They're just stuck with one. And so I think we are those who are interior designers to embrace their jack of all trade in this and really relish on it and lean with it because there's so many characteristics and skill sets that you have that you can pivot to help you make money, to build community, to build authority, to have these conversations to keep you in business when many others cannot. But it takes a little bit of time to do that, that deep work to see how these different facets of who I am, or what I'm able to do fit to these different dynamics to make me more sustainable. I'd rather have multiple pegs and one peg is off than only have one gigantic peg and it falls over and now I'm done. I have to say, and when I when I heard you say that on your podcast, it was like mind blown. I've heard that quote. And like I said, I never did the research on my own. And I used to always be told that. But the actual quote, as you said, if you're a jack of all trades, you're a master of none. But the part we leave out, oftentimes better than a master of one. And that part, I did, when I heard that, I'm just like, wow. I'm like, and I've been hearing that all my life. I'd be like, and I've told people I cannot do just one thing. And so now it's, it's, it, it's just mind blown. <laughs> and so honestly, and I used to teach and what I used to always say, if you want to hide something from anyone, have it in the book because they don't read. And I didn't even look it up myself. Seriously. <laughs> so it's, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, last thing I was going to say on that context, if we're kind of thinking about this industry, the interior designer industry, there's a lot of best practices that you'll see that maybe are accepted by trends or accepted by a certain percentage of few. But if we do a little bit of digging, the only reason it works for them is because of their situation, of how they position themselves. And we have to understand that that is not law for you. You have to take what content is given, what advice is given, even on this episode, even in this moment, and learn how to apply it specifically to where you are in your business infrastructure as an interior designer, what your goals are, and align it all together. Some parts are going to resonate. Some parts are going to hurt, but you got to do. Some parts are going to avoid like the plague. But you got to know how to make that fit for you. And I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, we need to understand that just because 1% of our industry says it has to be this way. A, doesn't mean it will work for us, for starters. And then B, doesn't mean we can pull it off. And C, that doesn't make you a failure. 
as a business, as an interior designer. You have to make it fit your experience to where you are. And I think once we're able to look through that certain lens, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 we write secret messages in lemon on a piece of paper and you got to show it on the back end. It's kind of, you got to, de- you got to debunk some of this on social media and how certain things are coming across to make it fit. What's the real message? What's the real process of how I can apply this takeaway for myself to go get mine? And I think that's something we need to just remind ourselves of casually that when we look at certain things, it's not always as obvious as that. There's a deeper layer. Some parts will be for us. Some part won't be for us. And we just got to apply that one that works for us accordingly uh, to help us grow. So as we're entering into 2022, what are some marketing trends that you are seeing that our audience can, you know, take advantage of? I definitely think um, for starters, newsletters are coming back, but I don't want to say newsletters. Cause it's kind of it's kind of outdated. Like I don't know what fun, exciting way we can say certain things in these days is is gone against me. But after the Facebook shutdown of the universe, <laughs> right before Metaverse showed up, coincidence? I think not. But we're not going to talk about that. I think a lot of interior designers woke up. Whether you had a blue check mark or not, whether you had a hundred. 100,000, 1 million followers, you had all this great content on the gram, you had a whole Facebook community, but you had no email list. You were doing Facebook lives and Instagram lives and reels faithfully, but you had no email list to contact them to say, hey, our Zoom is over here now. I don't have the Facebook group no more. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I think for starters, if you haven't created an email list, start now. Make a Record yourself and take that recording and make, you know, a three pager. Now you got to record in a three pager and maybe a few quotes or tips and have that as a legion tool for people to subscribe and send in their email. I want to download, you know, what does it look like to work with a six-figure interior designer in 2022? What's my checklist of things I need to have prepared before I work with you specifically? Okay. Do I need to have certain research? Do I have an idea of how much square feet? All the stuff. Now. That alone, one, drives more people to email lists, but it positions you now to get conversations happening. And so for starters, email lists, number one thing, we are, all of us should double down more on email because it's been very apparent. There's been a shift in the pendulum. It's more relevant than ever. You need it as a sustainable business and put the time in to create it, get that started. It doesn't have to mean you have to be email every single day, but I would start having a cadence and flow with that. Um, the second thing I would say is either do what we kind of talked about earlier or however this is arranged. Uh, we talked about this earlier regarding either live streaming or social audio. I think social audio is not going away. It's been very dynamic. You've seen the emergence of crypto and NFTs um, simply off social audio. Uh, and there's so many ways of doing that where you can take rooms and bring in former and past clients and conversations to help you win new business right there in the moment. In 30 minutes, in just one hour, you can build and collaborate with the designers. I like to say this too. There's enough room for all of us in the sky to fly. So if you're seeing other interior designers in different locations who maybe you're not in conflict, you're in collaboration mode, and it makes sense to kind of bounce off each other, don't be just me, myself, and I. Collaborate. Have conversations. Start creating content together. A, that's going to plug in you to multiple networks and multiple communities and groups. Build your authority at the same time and show that you're not just about yourself. 
you about everybody else getting theirs too, which only means when you get more pieces of the pie, no matter how small the percentage, you still get more pieces of the pie. And so I think investing in social audio or live streaming um, and collaborating with other people is going to help you in all the facets that you want in your interior business, being seen, being heard, uh, being shown as authority, educating, exciting, building that community, all those facets within that. The last thing I'd probably say in this moment when we're looking at 2022 is find a slightly different platform that your industry isn't mainstream on and put some time over there. You've seen this in the emergence of the pandemic. We saw healthcare professionals who don't get enough justice in their line of day took over TikTok. Why? Because we got to see them in different light on a platform that normally seen for specific type of creators. Tell me why lawyers and accountants now, there's people who, and Excel, no friends who people love Excel, is quite frankly boring and we all cringe at it. But there's people who all they do is show simple Excel tips and have made millions and millions of engagements and followers. I'm sure that much money has followed too because they took something they love and applied on a platform that isn't seen on there. And so if we know that Instagram is the interior design home base, maybe I should partner that up with LinkedIn or TikTok or Twitter or YouTube and just start investing content over there. And so I think one, because it separates yourself from them. And now you're known as the interior designer on that platform to that community. And so sure, it's not as high volume right away, but anyone who's over there, they know you're the be all on that platform. Who doesn't want to have that authority level on that platform? And you can still drive people to your core channels, whatever that may be. So again, those would be the things that I would suggest going into 2022 that we all should do. Email marketing, no brainer. You need it. You need it. Um, Live streaming and social audio. I would suggest doing both, but you can't do both. Hey, I'm all glam and damn. Let's Let's go visual. If I don't, I don't got time, social audio, <laughs> whatever makes sense that fits your schedule. Um, and then lastly, find that secondary platform that is not so popular among your um, industry that you can start investing time and effort and energy in to hopefully draw new leads, draw new business at SEO and authority on. Just to recap that with the email, listen to episode 19, where we talked about email marketing. I actually have a client that reached out to me when we had that whole thing happen. When we had with Facebook, she said the one thing that saved her was her email list. And I religiously talk about the two things you own is your website and your email list. So email list, you got to have. One of the other things you talked about, Maria, on the future episode, she's going to talk about TikTok or tier designers. And then you had also talked about, you know, the social audio. So I wanted to hand you some time to talk about your podcast because you are on the HubSpot network, which is invite only. And that is a major deal. So I wanted to hand you some time to promote your own podcast and just to talk about what it's all about, because I listen to it every week. I can't like wait with y'all. I can't wait y'all. I can't. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> no, Maria, y'all, y'all don't hear what happens on the green room before this even recorded. Maria over saturated me. I'm over about to cry. I couldn't take it no more. I said, that's what you experience, you know, because when you deep in it, you, you don't separate yourself from it. Um, but I, I think like I think this, the reason I started, I was a I was a pandemic podcast, baby. <laughs> I started in the pandemic. I needed something to do. Y'all I needed something to, the jack of all trades in me. <laughs> I needed something to do. And so I just created a podcast experience, but I wanted to be short. I wanted to be to the point. I wanted to have action. I wanted to have a moment and educate 
and be for everybody. Simple. I, you know, not enough people who are like, you know, explain things in a certain way, who look like me, who sound like me. Just make it make sense. Don't talk above my head and then let me listen to 30 minutes of ads. I'm glad you're making money, but I'm listening because I want some information. I want some substance. I'm not in, and you know, what I've learned, one, I've learned that um, I've learned to accept my voice and the totality changes of my voice. When you do podcasting, y'all, you will learn to embrace your voice. I didn't know how much I was breathing though, but we're not going to talk about that. But the whole point of why I did the podcast was for that reason. And when I stuck to that core belief over the time, not sure. The first five months, I probably got 300 to 500 downloads total. Granted, right? And one day I just kept doing it. And I was like, why are you doing it solo host? I should have done y'all route. I should have had guests. I should have. I'm really, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I do the hardest route. I don't know why I picked level hard to start a podcast, but I did. Here we are now, 40 episodes later, lose my mind. But I think what I've learned. I see podcasts. When I started a podcast, I saw it as SEO. I knew the RSS feed would be distributed on multiple channels. It's in over, I think, 137 distribution channels right now, if not more, um, for all that I know of. And I knew that would help me with my SEO and be seen and be heard and help with authority. I was less focused on downloads and more of can short consistently <laughs> create episodes in this manner, which is apparently much harder than what should have been uh, now that I look at other podcasts and how they do certain things, but I digress, no pun intended. And I think the journey of making that content consistently, if you do that on anything, you're going to be successful. Something is going to happen for you, but we don't see it when we're in it. When you win post one real number two episode, number seven, I'm, I'm quit. I'm going to be done. But I think over time, just a community of people who Hey, I was able to listen to like an episode and I understood something and it helped me out. And then that was the goal of anything. And an audio experience is such an intimate experience for someone to choose to even spend five minutes, listen to your voice and what you have to say is so empowering as a young black entrepreneur. You know how hard that is to just get access and authority of people to hear what you have to say, but on an audio wave, there's no biases. I think one time someone didn't know I was black until they heard some some different intimate music. They're like, oh, wait, this got to be your brother. And so what I'm saying is, you know, use social media, use podcasts, use these type of tools to help you get access in places that maybe for whatever reason, a certain biases in certain situations where you're marginalized, woman, LGBTQIA, all these different things that sometimes are breaking points from you not getting to the access of the business. These platforms, these podcast experiences can allow you the ability to do that. And I've also learned that through the podcast experience, I had a glossary of content I could use for sales, but it also it helped me, Jack of all trades people here, get the stuff out of your head. And you find it's so authentic that, oh, episode, like, right, Jason just said episode 19, y'all reference it. And now you can reference things that you say like a library and say, listen to that. Call me when you're ready. Come on now. And I don't try, I know I'm about to talk about myself, but I'm trying to tie it all in together, y'all, in the episode that we're doing right now. And I think that's just the joy of what I'm doing. That's what I love about what you guys experience. And 
I knew before I listened to a few episodes, I knew how real it was and authentic and how the experience was going to be before I even came on. And now I'm saying like, yes, it's totally what it is, a thousand percent. And that's the thing. When people can hear the totalities and the sincerity of your voice, there's a certain level of trust that is established that can't happen in any other way. You go through the funnel so much faster. The relationship builds a lot faster because they hear you. And now they're allowed to create that vision of what it looks like to work with you. They create the vision of what it looks like where your efforts and energy can help them achieve. Now, I'm not saying every interior designer in the world should start creating their podcast, but but I am saying social audio, live streaming, you can do that same kind of visualization in how you write as well. Email marketing, blogging, it's not dead. It's not dead. Put some time and effort into a separate platform that's separate from your core channel. Make it work. And that's why I did for podcasting. And I doubled down on it. And thankfully, HostBot was like, you're the guy. I'm the only Black African-American podcast on the network right now. And it's it's very humbling. It's very exciting. Sometimes I forget how well the podcast is doing because I'm just, I got to create an episode today. <laughs> it's hard to keep the commitment. But if anything that you do, any type of content, whatever, and we're not pushing just podcasting, whatever piece of you got to show me consistent about it. And the results are going to come to X amount of time later. I didn't get the host by contract deal until month 10. I got, and it was episode, it was 29 episodes. I still hadn't broke 5,000 downloads and they took me. Now we're averaging 20K and all that fun stuff and everyone awes and on top, whatever. I don't get all lost about that because it can be lost in a moment. But I just want to show you what's possible if you just be consistent. And we hear it all the time. It's like, okay, that's cliche. That's, but it's true. You just be consistent and show up. If you do your, your reels, your Instagram, whatever, it's going to be that one reel that's going to take off. And guess what? You have a library. So now everybody go go back <laughs> and start seeing your old content as well. So be tried and true and be consistent. And I'm proof that if you just be consistent with it, it'll work for you too. I have to actually reference episode 32. And I'm saying that episode because you handed me an idea that we're going to do in about two weeks because we're going to do a review of the year and we're going to read off testimonials. You read a testimonial that blew me away. I had told Mira about this because we were at a conference and I had my daughter's iPad. I sent you a message. In episode 32 that you read off, you said, I want to give Serenity Ale some publicity. And I was like, Serenity Ale? And then when you read it, I'm like, that's not like something I wrote. So I went back and I said, oh, I wrote that on my daughter's iPad. So you you had a (laughs) testimonial from an eight-year-old girl. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was you. I just feel like I just met a fan fan. This is crazy. Only on this episode, y'all. Only on this episode. So that's episode on yours where you where you that's had talked crazy. about you have the potential. That that was that episode episode thirty two. That and you had read that off. I, <laughs> it blew me away. <laughs> it's the small things, y'all. It's a small yes, thing. it is. So we have enjoyed your time here, Troy. If anyone wants to get in contact with you, how do they do so? Um, you can find Troy everywhere at Find Troy. I I did that on purpose, y'all. Brandon, Brandon. It's the whole thing. Um, find Troy at findtroy.com, at findtroy on all social platforms. Uh, if you go to growwithtroy.com, you can explore more about um, how to see me, how I can help you, or I'm a great connector. Let's just connect. 
I love just connecting with people. Jason would know. I just love having those conversations. Um, and it's already been mentioned about my podcast, idegress.fm. Uh, apparently, just these, I'm still stuck on the moment. Like, I wish I had knew. Like, I didn't know I was going to find that out live. Like, that's crazy. But um, we're just happy about the whole experience. So idegress.fm for the podcast if you want more high-intensity experience like this for me. <laughs> As I said, I listen to your podcast once a week. Great podcast. Listen to it. Check it out. We enjoyed your time, Troy, and we hope to see everybody next week on Designer Discussions. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Designer Discussions. What was your takeaway? Care to share your thoughts and tag Jason, Maria, and Miriam on social media? You can find them on all platforms at designerdiscussions.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review or comment for this episode from wherever you are listening.